Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, May 18th, 2014. Despite Sharon's deep hypnotherapy, deep, deep hypnotherapy session, she still cannot remember what the secret is that she is keeping. And even though they've gone through this whole process of hypnosis and it seems like Sharon's just on the edge of remembering, Nick theorizes that maybe the secret was just about the ranch fire. If we can't remember it, maybe it had something to do with the fact that you set fire to the ranch. And Sharon doesn't really believe that that could be the case. Most of that was already out into the open. Um, It's something bigger. It's something more. And Sharon is really trying to connect in with Mariah to see if she can help, if maybe something about being around her will help jog her memory. Mariah, of course, is hesitant. She really doesn't want to have anything to do with this family. I think Sharon, or I think Mariah sees that Sharon is a good person and someone who lost her daughter, and I think Mariah feels really terrible about the haunting and everything that she had done, and I think under a different circumstance, she would really love how Sharon is welcoming her with open arms. Mariah is clearly something someone who doesn't have a family. Uh, Sharon has definitely got in there and tried to dig around into Mariah's past, like who you know, who's your who are your parents, who are your family, do you have any photos? Sharon really wants to know if there's any possibility that there could be a relation. And I thought it was interesting that Sharon made a point of mentioning that Nick is not Cassie's biological father, was not Cassie's biological father. And I think that YNR doesn't mention that as much. Um, if you are a newer viewer or weren't you know, watching that, I think maybe that would have been a little bit more of a revelation to you because I don't think it is mentioned very often. But Cassie's biological father is for all we know, still out there. So it's certainly possible that he had another kid or who knows. Sharon is trying to figure out why this woman looks so strikingly similar to her daughter. And she's hoping, um, I think, on in, in one way that this Mariah could turn out to be someone she could connect with as a version of her long-lost daughter. But I think in another way, Sharon is also just hoping that somehow this will unlock her own mind. She's trapped almost in this cell in her own mind, and she just wants to open the door and know what's on the other side. I think part of Sharon wants to know the secret. I'm sure part of her is terrified to find out. I'm sure part of her is terrified to think about what this secret will do to her relationship with Nick, because she knows that what she's scared of most is that whatever it is she did is going to to hurt Nick. And I got a great voicemail from Connor again this week saying, you know, when the truth comes out 
about all of this. When Nick finds out that Sharon knew about, you know, more than she let on about Phyllis going into the coma in the fall, that uh, Phyllis was actually trying to stop Sharon from this paternity lie, that Sharon had switched these paternity results, when everything comes out. Connor is saying, isn't it possible that Nick is just simply not going to have the energy, the leftover anger to direct at Sharon? I think there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of sadness that's going to be able to go around and that has already gone around. Maybe in the end, Nick is just not going to have it. I, I mean, Have you ever felt that way? It's like sometimes you, you almost like slide past the point of anger into just acceptance and just wanting to move on. And I think a layer on that is, or to take it a little bit further, I think most of the anger around all of this is going to be focused on Victor. Victor is the one who is taking the heat. Obviously, Sharon's the one that switched the paternity, but the fact that Victor hired this Cassie lookalike, trained her how to wear her hair, what clothes to wear, he went to this incredible length to haunt Sharon in a kind in a cruel way. I think all of that is going to be almost a smokescreen uh, for, for Sharon. I don't think anybody's going to notice. In fact, um, there was a conversation between Noah and Victor this week uh, in Victor's office. Noah's, uh, you know, they're kind of going back and forth about um, what Victor did. Yet again, this is Victor disappointing the family, uh, hiring a girl to impersonate Noah's dead sister and Noah says the piece that you're missing here Victor is that whatever it is my mother did she did it when she was sick that is Sharon's out it is all going to be chalked up to Sharon's being Sharon was sick what's your excuse Victor (laughs) um Sharon visits Chelsea at uh, her condo this week, and Jack happened to be there. And it turned into a, a, a Victor fest. It was all about uh, you know, Victor, good or bad. And obviously, Jack and Sharon are telling Chelsea to be very aware of Victor, because he seems all nice and harmless, but he's really capable of a lot of bad stuff. And Sharon tells Jack all about everything Victor did with Cassie. Jack puts together the pieces that, oh, maybe that's why Nikki's staying at the athletic club. This thing that Victor did was so bad that Nikki left him, and you can look next week. I guarantee you there will be a scene (laughs) next week, mark my words, of Victor and Jack running into each other at the athletic club, and Jack will rub it in, uh, making him tell Victor that, you know, what a horrible guy he is for doing that, and and Nikki uh, should leave him and he deserves everything he gets, so just keep your eye out for that. But I thought it was um, interesting to focus on that scene between Chelsea and Jack and Sharon because Jack is immediately like, shouldn't we press charges against Victor? Um, You know, he did this. And I, I think it really goes to support the argument that when the truth, when if, I assume when, the truth comes out, all of the focus is going to be on Victor. And 
I'm also wondering if the truth about Mariah and how she fits into the picture and maybe as another family member, maybe as a twin, a lot of people have been commenting that maybe uh, Cass Cassie had a twin at birth and somehow it got switched and Gary had called into my voicemail and not really like ding, ding, dinged with me. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, certainly Mariah could be Cassie's twin. Maybe all of that truth will also be coming out. Out, um, just at the same time that the secret is. And again, nobody's going to care about what Sharon did then. It's all going to be a ca about Cassie. It's all going to be about Victor's guilt. The other thing to mention is notice how Chelsea's defending him in that little scene. Um, Sharon, Jack, Chelsea. Sharon and Jack are going at it. They've been burned by Victor. Chelsea really hasn't yet. Um, well, I guess she kind of has way back in the past, but she's currently on a good streak with Victor. And she's trying to defend Victor and say, he's not really that bad. He's really been there for me. Just look at how the past is repeating itself here. Victor is making nice, nice with one of his son's exes. He, he, they form a bond, mainly over the grandson. This is exactly what happened with Nick, Sharon, and Victor. Exactly, to the T. I mean, Chelsea is Sharon 10 years ago. Connor is Noah. Adam is Nick. You guys, this is history repeating itself here. In true Newman form, Abby tries to bribe Mariah to leave town, to which Mariah ceremoniously rips up the check. Of course not. She's not giving up on Tyler. In fact, she's going to double down. <laughs> she's sending him text messages. I mean, she still wants the man. Uh, I guess once you've had that hot chocolate, you can't go back. <laughs> And Abby feels exactly the same way. There's like something about Tyler that the women just can't get over. Um, Abby, I did have to laugh at her this week because she runs to Victor's office to tell him, oh, did you know that the faux Cassie you hired? I think, why, I think they even said faux Cassie. Isn't that what we were calling her for a while? I love that. It's almost like maybe, um, the way the fans are talking about the show finds its way into the writing about the show. I kind of love that. But she runs to Victor and she's like, you know, this faux Cassie that you hired is actually Mariah. So well done, Dad. You tried to tank Nick's relationship with this whole ghost Cassie thing and you may have just tanked my relationship instead. I hope so. <laughs> it's so hard to connect with Abby. She's so robotic. Um, ugh, it's like, why an artist has hired these beautiful people who I can't even connect in with? I'm just, there's no depth there. I'm sorry. You guys, why don't you tell me? Who, who? I mean, maybe you feel good about Tyler, bad about Tyler. I don't know. Who do you guys think would make a better match for Tyler, though? Do you think that he should stick with the heiress? Are you kind of digging the highbrow Tyler as a in the in, in, marrying into the Newman family thing, or would you kind of rather maybe see him shack it up and do some dirty deeds, scamming, conning, whatever with Mariah?
Chelsea is stuck right smack dab in the middle of the Billy Victoria Stitch love triangle because she knows Victoria's secret. That Victoria's pregnant. She's not telling anyone who the father is. She doesn't know who the father is. So Chelsea, at the same time, is becoming closer with Billy. I think it's more and more difficult for her to keep this secret from him. She sees how much he loves Victoria and wonders if a baby could bring him back together in his relationship. At this, she's also wandering around town, bumping into Stitch. Can't help dispensing her sage advice to Stitch as well. And she starts talking about the weird nausea that she had when she was pregnant with Connor, which makes the light bulb go on over Stitch's head, and he realizes, hmm, weird nausea. Yeah, kind of experienced that with Victoria just now. She was making a visit to her gynecologist. Hmm, one plus one, meet two. <laughs> Stitch is definitely onto it all. Um, I, gosh, I'm kind of irritated with him because. Stitch goes to work and he gets kind of sneaky and gets to know, I don't know, another doctor or a nurse or someone and basically kind of lies his way into getting Victoria's file. And I'm sure that he's going to see, well, he opens it up and he sees that she tested positive for HGC, I think it is the human growth hormone or something, whatever the pregnancy hormone is. So he, he, totally knows that she's pregnant now. And I thought that is just so completely unethical of him. He's a doctor. He's supposed to have some level of Hippocratic oath or something. And here he goes and gets a patient's file that's not his patient. And on top of that, he kind of is... He's really up on Victoria. I mean, you know that she's going through a lot. You know that she's going through the end of her marriage. And yet Stitch is still really up on her, like seeing her, bumping into her. He's like, he's not really leaving her alone. And so I'm kind of irritated with Stitch. I think I'm starting to detect almost a different kind of look in his eye. Like, I don't know if he's happy that she's pregnant, angry that she's keeping the secret from him, maybe all of the above. It's fascinating to me, especially since the big casting news this week is that Stitch's wife is going to be coming on the show. She's been cast. She's really cute. I don't know who the actress is, but she's got kind of a nice, sweet face, and um, I'm sort of looking forward to maybe getting a new, strong female on the show. I don't know what she's going to be like at all, but that'll be good. I mean, it's probably going to be still a month or more before she's on screen. I don't know if that means that we're going to have to wait that much longer to find out what this horrible thing is that Stitch did. I want to know now. I'm tired of waiting. (sighs) I mean, am I the only one who is kind of starting to see or get the sense that the sweet outer layers of Stitch are starting to peel away, maybe to reveal something a little bit more bitter inside? Jack has kind of seen the error of his ways, and he's decided that he really wants 
another chance with Kelly. And Kelly is now in the place of shutting down and going into protection mode. She wants to protect herself from getting hurt again. And who could blame her for not wanting to play second fiddle (laughs) uh, to a woman who is in a coma. It's completely understandable. But now... Jack and Kelly are running into each other all over town, and every time it's a tragedy or um, maybe a comedy of errors, I don't know. Kelly decides she wants to buy a condo in Genoa City, and the building that she's looking at happens to be owned by Adam, and uh, she wants to rehab it at a wall here or there, so before she decides that she's going to buy, she needs to have a talk with the owner. Oh, but (laughs) since Chelsea is busy with so many other things... Jack offers to go meet with this tenant, not knowing who it's going to be. And what do you know? (laughs) Jack and Kelly both show up at the condo together. Now, she thinks he's stalking her. And Jack, ever the romantic, (laughs) he is convinced that this is fate that they keep running into each other. And he's going on his diatribe just about how, you know, it's not a coincidence. And Kelly is in shutdown mode. She doesn't believe him. They have this argument. It's not fate. It's just it's this or that. It's cruel. And I mean, she even got really kind of forceful on him, just saying this. Is, it's not fair, basically. I really like you. I feel connected to you. And I can't have you. And now you're in my face every single moment. So she just tries to run out on him. And as soon as she flings open the door, she hears out in the hall violin music being played sweetly and softly coming from another apartment in the building. And, and oh, oh, it must be a student. And uh, it's what a moment. She and Jack are standing there listening. And all of a sudden she says it's Vivaldi in A minor. And he says it's Vivaldi in G minor. And they're arguing over which piece of music it is. And it's like this tension between them that can only end one way. But just the fact that they're standing there arguing over a piece of classical music, I just, it's like, wow, I'm, we're, YNR's developing a very high brow romance here. <laughs> over classical music. I'm sure it's like, it's hitting home for some people. It's weird. It's like, YNR goes from greasy hot dogs in the park to violin concertos. I mean, we're really running the gamut of the romantic uh, storylines here. Um, In the end, of course, Kelly gives in to her desires through the magic of Vivaldi. And she walks up to Jack and she grabs his face and stares at him deeply and then just kisses him. And they are together now. (laughs) They realize it's fate. It is fate indeed. The universe is pulling them together. They can't resist any longer. And they go to leave the apartment arm in arm. (laughs) And there is this kind of cheesy ending to the whole thing where Jack said something like, no, what was it about walls? Because she wanted to put up a wall in the condo. What was it about the walls? And 
that you wanted me to do or whatever. And Kelly says, I'm learning that maybe walls aren't such a good thing. <laughs> End scene. It was very classic. I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, you guys tell me what you, what you're thinking. How are you feeling about Jack and Kelly? I like the two characters. The writing on that scene was a little bit schmaltzy <laughs> for me. I mean, I love romance, but that was maybe bordering on too precious. Before all that happened with Kelly and Jack, Kelly is so upset that things aren't working out that she's basically in love with a man who's in love with an entirely unavailable other woman. Um, she's kind of complaining to Lily about this and Lily says, you know what, I'll, I'll just set you up on a date. And finally, I mean, shoot, Lily's been trying to set Kelly up on a date forever. Finally, Lily sets Kelly up on a date and guess who it was with? Her father. Lily must really like Kelly to set her up with Neil. <laughs> So, Neil and Kelly are now on this awkward date where they're both clearly not into each other and are more into other people, and Neil does tell Kelly, you know, he's, I'm seeing somebody else, you're perfectly lovely, but I'm not into you, um, because I have my eye on someone else, uh, someone forbidden, um, and after the date ends, Kelly ends up letting on to Lily and Devon that Neil is seeing someone, doesn't say who it is, but they start to slowly put the pieces together. Lily's in denial about it at first. Oh no, he's he's been acting different, definitely, but I'm sure it's because he's still upset over Leslie. But the men know, oh no, 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 he's been walking on clouds. Trust us, he's getting some. <laughs> the men knew right away. So little by little, everybody's kind of starting to put the pieces together. Meanwhile, Hillary and Neil are upstairs doing their nasty thing, and they're also deciding that maybe it's time to just let the world know. I mean, the secret's hot and everything, but they realize they can't really go on uh, like this. Um, so they decide they're going to tell. Neil leaves her hotel room. As he's leaving, they're basically making out, like hanging out the door in the hallway, making out. And of course, Devon walks by. He's coming up to see Hillary. He's got a thing for her. So he walks up to, sees everything. I mean, he's like hanging around. I wish, I gotta get a screenshot of Devon's face, like in the corner, just watching all of this go down because it was pretty wonderful. It's like, damn, just as he was deciding to move into the hotel full time, now he's gonna have to deal with listening to his dad getting busy with his dream girl through those thin thin walls. <laughs> Poor Devon. Oh, as soon as Neil leaves, Devon confronts Hillary. I mean, he gets up in her face saying like, how, why are you sleeping with Neil? How, what do you have, daddy issues or something? Uh, I mean, if, if were you going to go after Victor Newman next if things didn't work out with my dad? I mean, you were after Jack. Now my dad, what, what was it, Victor Newman next? And uh, isn't it kind of strange? Do you have some mommy issues too? I mean, what did, didn't my dad sleep with your mom? 
mom or wasn't he in a hotel with her right before she died? And I mean, it was like fierce going at her as only someone who is scorned by love could. And Hillary was so mad. She smacked him. She was like, you know what? You could say whatever you want about me. I've heard it all before. But don't you talk about my mother like that. Oh, it was really good. I was glad she slapped him because Javon, I mean, shouldn't your beef maybe be with your father or somebody else? I mean, Hil- why are you mad at Hillary? Like, you weren't dating. You and Hillary were not dating. And Neil can be with whoever he wants. I mean, in fact, Devon, you were off with Esmeralda just because you decided that Esmeralda is not for you anymore, which I still don't know why. I want to start a campaign to bring back Esmeralda because I'm loving her. Um, I love her like 10 times more than Hillary, and I haven't even seen her that much. Bring back Esmeralda. But Devon, the truth is, you were dating her. Uh, Hillary was free to do whatever she wanted. Neil's always been free to do whatever he wanted. So why are you mad at her? So I think he's just mad about the whole thing. Uh, Neil is coming downstairs as all that argument is going on and he's talking to Lily and Kane who are down in the dining room again Lily does not want to believe that he's dating someone but then she smells perfume all over him and she realizes that you know it's oh he is dating someone so she starts to press him actually there's a moment where Neil thinks she knows everything he almost like confesses but um he does tell her he's seeing someone doesn't tell her who it is she tries to press him for the name of the person he's seeing it's all just like building and building like a balloon that's filled to the max and it's just getting ready to pop and then by the way I want to see that balloon explode explode all over Lily's face like Devon's reaction was good at this point I'm just waiting for Lily's reaction Devon comes downstairs after this confrontation with Hillary he sees everybody else in the dining room and he's huffing and puffing and he's kind of he immediately starts to kind of degrade Neil about it, like passive aggressive. Like he has no problem getting aggressive with Hillary because she's not family and she can't do anything to him and whatever. She's just a tenant at his hotel. But with Neil, he has to be passive aggressive because it's his father. So he says something like, Oh, I'm glad you got your pants on now. Glad you were able to get your pants on. That was rude. <laughs> How dare you speak to your father like that? Um, and then, of course, whatever, he's gonna, he, you know, it was totally passive-aggressive, actually, because Devon didn't say, oh, hey, Lillian Kane, did you know that Dad's sleeping with Hillary? Oh, no, he alluded to it. He said something to Kane, like, oh, yeah, you remember who tried to ruin your career and your life and your marriage a couple months ago? Oh, yeah, that's who he's sleeping with. It, it was just passive-aggressive, like, everybody sort of figured out that it was Hillary, Lillian Lily's like, uh, her face. You could tell that Crystal Khalil was sick throughout this filming. She must have caught a cold or something because she seemed sick. Uh, but just as Hillary's coming down, uh, coming down the stairs to see this argument forming, it's like boiling in the middle of the athletic club. And Lily's just like, you could see almost her face is getting fiery and like it's coming to a head. They're all figuring it out. It's like Lily and Devon are freaking out. They're ready to pounce on Hillary and just claw her eyes out. And Hillary tries to leave. I mean, Neil's so apologetic. He's like, crap, you know, I really like 
like, I don't want to ruin this thing that I've got going on. And now here my kids are being brats, ready to kill Hillary or go get her with pitchforks and torches. So Hillary just turns around and she tries to leave. Neil runs after her, which was totally offensive to Lily. Like, wait a minute. He ran after her? He cares more about her than he cares about us? I can tell, I can completely understand why they are shocked about this. I, I, I'm, oh my goodness, Hillary has been a negative force. She did try to ruin Lily and Kane's marriage. She did publish Neil's diary. She's done a lot of stuff to this family, and now she's wormed her way into it. I don't know if she's genuine or not. I don't know if she's still pulling a trick. Maybe, maybe not, but I'm kind of actually liking this. I don't want to see Neil and Hillary in bed anymore, but I'm kind of enjoying the idea of Hillary as Lily and Devon's evil stepmother, oh, that Lily hates, and by the way, Devon has a super suppressed crush on. I really think it's funny that Chris is sending sexy texts to Paul. <laughs> She's at home wearing her black lingerie, getting ready for baby making. He's at work, so she sends him a photo of herself. I That doesn't even sound like Christine. Christine always seemed a little more demure to me. She's maybe stepping it up. <laughs> Um, I just have to very briefly mention that when Paul finds out that Dylan and his son, I think, is his son, I think that's going to end up throwing a really big wet towel all over their whole baby-making, burning desire thing. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on to what really, really excited me this week was that Gloria is in town. I love when Gloria is in town. I love her sleeked back hairdo. I love the jacket. She's giving me, like, executive realness. It's just beautiful, uh, classy. And then there's Jeff, who's also in town. He's bet on a horse race. I mean, Jeff, it's just, they're such a good pair. She's she She came from nothing, but I think she tries really hard to put on this very um, classy front, but then she's got this trashy husband. They're just perfect for each other, and I totally enjoyed it. Um, there was a brief little moment where Gloria is talking to Chloe, like trying to save her non-existent marriage to Kevin. It's never going to work, but Gloria's going on about the newest aphrodisiac that she and Jeff are trying to put spice back into their love life, and and Chloe is listening to this extremely intently. She's got a mark. She's got someone who she would like to entice sexually for her own needs and desires. Um, it was really so dysfunctional. Here, uh, they're trying to have a family dinner. Um, <laughs> Kevin comes in and like he's listening to his mom and Chloe talk about this aphrodisiac and he's so uncomfortable. Like, probably can't even keep his food down thinking about his mom's sex life. Michael and Lauren get there, and it's just like they were trying to have this normal family dinner, but there's nothing normal about this family. Jeff is 
trying to charge everything to Michael's tab. He's forever the cheapskate con. Um, uh, Gloria is like going on and on about how Chloe is a cuckoo bird, like really realizing that she's not good for her son and definitely honing in on the fact that something's wrong in their marriage. Chloe spilled a bottle or a glass of champagne all over Gloria just to try to get her, snag her little bottle of love potion to use for herself. She couldn't wait, you know, what, two or three days to order a bottle herself online. She wanted to get (laughs) Gloria's immediately. And it was just, what a horrifying scene. There are a bunch of misfits, the Baldwins, but I love them with all my heart. Um, after Chloe snags the love potion, she goes to see Billy. And we all know, we all know, he's alone at Victoria's babysitting Johnny, and she gets him to start reminiscing about the good old days and how hot and sexy they were back in New York, and she gets him as far as making out before he snaps out of the trance and has to explain to Chloe yet again why this is a bad idea. It's so pathetic. I'm telling you, though, she may have lost this round two, but believe me, she's going to succeed in getting Billy's sperm and making another baby with him one way or another. Finally, I don't know how many months later, we're finally having a small memorial service for Adam. And in attendance is just Chelsea and Victor and Jack. Uh, Everybody kind of says a few words. Both Victor and Jack have a lot of regret. They both loved him, regardless of all of the things that he had done, or um, in Victor's case, all of the things that Victor had done. Uh, What really struck me, though was Chelsea's speech. She said Adam died before he was able to become the man that he wanted to be. And I think that is true. I think Adam was working on becoming better. It was a constant work in progress. In some ways, he was always working against his own instinct to try to be better. But he did get... uh, He did get stopped too soon. And I thought that was a very moving moment. Now, as the memorial service is going on, Anita is at home with Connor babysitting him. And this mold inspector shows up at the house. And Anita is, of course, not sure if she should let him in or not. But Chelsea gives her the okay. So next thing we know, we're seeing this shot of Adam, not dead, probably heard that there was going to be a memorial service for him and set up to have the mold inspector there at exactly the right time, the mold inspector in air quotes. Uh, The next thing we know, we see Adam watching a camera of the nursery. He's had a, a camera installed in the nursery. That's not creepy. Oh, no. Sure. Why not? It's weird. That's weird, Adam. I don't know how I'm going to accept a recast at all, but this is, I want Adam back, but that's also weird. Does that even seem like Adam to you? It's weird that he's staying away. We know that he's cognizant now of who he is and what he's missing. So as far as Adam knows, he did kill Delia and he's just staying away and then keeping 
a watch on his family from afar. I don't even know if that sounds like him. Adam seemed like he wanted to come back and pay for his crime. He had intentions of going to the police. So what changed? Why is he just sitting there now? It's weird. I don't know. I don't like it. Better freaking hope that Chelsea and Billy don't start making out in that room because Adam's going to see the whole thing on camera. Or I don't even know. Like, what would be worse? That or Adam seeing Victor in that room getting close to his son? The Jill holding Colin hostage thing? It's getting kind of dark, isn't it? Um... He's banging away in the attic. Uh, nobody is. No, nobody really knows what the creepy sound coming from the attic is now. And she's making up excuses to tell Kane about where his father is. Colin will not sign the divorce and prenup papers. My question is. If Colin really, really loved Jill and wasn't just after her money, why not agree to sign the financial stuff, but then try to keep the marriage? He's trying to keep the baby and the bathwater all together, um, and it's getting kind of uncomfortable. It's very dark of Jill. Uh, Kane is now realizing that his dad's gone. He's kind of, like, missing somewhere. He finds Colin's wallet in a drawer, which Jill has clearly confiscated, but Kane finds a, the Bonaventure business card in his wallet. So now Kane's trying to figure out what is the mystery of Bonaventure, who is behind it, who set Victor up. Um, he happened to have a meeting with Victor, but he doesn't want to say everything that he just found out or that he... he knows that his dad has this business card, but he doesn't want to show his cards to Victor before knowing what the real story is. Uh, he wants to know what Colin has to do with the company, but everybody's trying to give Colin the second chance, including Kane and Lily, so he doesn't want to jump to that conclusion. He tells Jill about the business card instead, which is just another suspicion on top of suspicion about a man that she wants to love, a man that they both want to trust. Victor is not buying any of this. He senses that there's some hesitation in Kane. He smells a rat is what it is. And he goes over and to Jill to jump on her right away and ask her what she had to do with Bonaventure. To tell you the truth, you guys, I don't give two hoots about Bonaventure. I mean, it's just, it's too long, too much time has passed. I'm the most patient, loving YNR fan, but you, you can't let months go by without a mention and then expect me to care about it. I I just, I don't. <laughs> I stopped caring about the music box, frankly, too. Colin's still trapped in the attic and he, he found a journal and he's insisting that in the journal is the secret to the music box and he's told this to Jill, but Jill's like, what am I, a fool? You know, Colin's not going to give her the information till till she sets him free. It's just, I... You know, I care about the romance that's going on. I don't care about the music box. And more importantly, uh, as Gary mentioned in his voice message to me this week, I think what we need to figure out is the mystery of where Colin's going to the bathroom while he's trapped in that attic. Okay, my podcast friends, that takes me to the end. I hope I covered everything. If I missed something, I'm sure you guys will let me know. <laughs>
So don't be shy. Feel free to give me a call, 309-588-4569. Go to my website, yrchat.com. You can leave comments via text, via voice, whatever works best for you. I love hearing from you, and feel free to let her rip. It's always good to get your uh, perspective on things. I'm going to get going. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye.